Hello, boys and ghouls, and welcome to episode number eight. We are calling this one Vengeance is Mine. We'll be taking a look at a few very different horror films that all have revenge in common. So join us now for an exploration of that classic, dependable, possibly overused horror movie motivation. Revenge. You want to see something really scary? They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead. Zombies, exploding heads. Psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases. Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires? I know that one of you is a werewolf. Ain't nothing but dead folks. I want to kill you. The undead. You ever talk to a corpse? Satan is our pal. It's boring. Throw the third switch! Not the third switch! Give my creation! What about you? Thanksgiving plans? Uh, just got an invite for which I will um, be making my famous peanut butter pie. Ooh, peanut butter pie. Yeah. That sounds good. It's very rich. and I, I bet it is. It, it's a kind of food that I also, I'm the guy like pushing his own food. Yeah. Which feels like a jerk move because like, even right. though there's like three pies, you should have mine. Right. But mine will melt. Oh. Like, like two of its ingredients are like cream cheese and Cool Whip. So I try to really push the pie because later I'll just be pushing peanut butter soup. Got it. Fantastic. Right. We'll, we'll just ease into this one. Yeah. Uh, hey, everybody. I'm Marshall Hicks. And I'm Kat Knipe. And this is Boys and Ghouls. Ooh. Start with a Halloween wrap-up. October was last month. So how did you spend your Halloween night? I spent my Halloween night with a couple of my very best friends, Matthew and Daniel. We watched Halloween H2O and we watched Halloween and just, you know, walked around in the streets. It's kind of more like a family holiday for us. You know, the rest of the month we go out and go do crazy things. Like we go to haunted houses and, you know, but on Halloween we tend to kind of make tacos and hang out and watch our favorite movies. Scary tacos. They're scary good. Awesome. Yeah. On Halloween, I stopped by Foggity Boggity Cemetery. Yes, you did. Uh, for those who don't know, in Toluca Lake, there's this elaborate, looks like the outside of a Disney cemetery. It's so cool. And it, it says Foggity Boggity Cemetery. Do you want to spell? Because it did not look like I thought it would look. Either way, you'll never find it on the internet. Yeah. I've, I've looked for it. A lot. In the past, it's gone up, and then on Halloween night, the owner will have kids in, and, you know, there's a whole inside to Foggity Boggity, not just this elaborate outside of his house. Right. But this Halloween, about, like, at six, the kids were already out, and I just went by myself to stand outside of Foggity Boggity. Yeah. And then there were other adults there, and, like, kids were going by, and they're like, wow, look at this. Oh, let's go to another house where there's, you know, candy being sure. given out. And I'm still standing in front of it, just like... Well, maybe it'll open once it's dark. It's not really dark yet. If I wish really hard. Yeah, I want to see it what's It is inside. Halloween night. Yeah. yeah. And then when it was just me standing there, oh. the gate slowly opened. Now, let me tell you this. When you and I looked at it, it looked like the gate was chained shut. Yes, it uh, did. And then it would open in the middle. Yeah. The whole thing was one big gate. So the whole thing just slowly started to open. And you were like, oh, 
And I could like see the shadow of, of somebody stepping outside. Oh my gosh. Was it like one of those things where it's a really, really long shadow and it looks monstrous and then when he finally emerges, you realize it was just a trick of the light and he's really not that tall? I'll say this. The only way not to be disappointed is if Boris Karloff himself walked out <laughs> in, in a lab coat. Right. So um, it was just a guy in yeah. like cargo shorts. And he's like, hey, how you doing? And I was like, hi, what time do you open? And he's like, uh, we're not taking trick-or-treaters this year. I just did all this for a private party <sighs> that he's holding his own bash. He's like, ah, oh, you know, he, he kind of ran out of time. He couldn't get everything done to his satisfaction. <sighs> That's pretty surprising considering how incredibly satisfying that was for me to see. <laughs> um, I, I guess the inside wasn't done to his liking. I see. So I was just like, oh, it's really neat. Okay. Bye. Yeah. And then walk back to my car. Uh, however, the night didn't end there. I uh, gave out candy for a little while. You did? Where? Just on my back steps. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I don't get many trick-or-treaters, but I got enough to That's awesome. Wait, 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 what kind of candy did you give out? This is very important. Okay, this uh, could affect our whole relationship. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Kit Kats, and some Twix. Those, Those are great candies. Yep. Yeah. You know how to play it. I tried to do a thing where... I had my jack-o'-lantern outside, and I put a bowl in the jack-o'-lantern, and then I put dry ice in the bowl, <gasps> so it looked Ooh, like... the jack-o'-lantern was spewing creepy like fog, fog from uh, his mouth yeah. and eyes and nose. But you had to get it just right, or else all the water froze. Oh. It was kind of an ongoing thing. And I, I love the effort, though. I'm you. sure a lot of people appreciated it. And then a, a friend of mine came over, and we went to a backyard haunt. It's called the Backwoods Maze in Burbank. Cool. The outside of the house, there's like a Jason and a Freddy and a big, what I think is from Spawn, the uh, what the clown turns into at the end. Ooh. And I don't know where they keep that the rest of the year because it's taller than like the house. Yeah. And there was a bit of a line and then you get to the front and you go along the side of the house and into a maze that's designed to be like a post-bio attack kind of thing. That's so really scary. Everything's kind of cobbled together. But it's supposed to be because it's post-apocalyptic. Sure. Yeah. So I guess if you're working on a budget, do a post-apocalyptic. Yeah, that's a good theme to go with. Yeah. yeah. But it was staffed with like army guy kind of monsters. Like some would have gas masks on. Yeah. And some of them would have, you know, monster faces. And it was really long. Like you and I went through a different haunted house. <clears> the <throat> Rotten Apple 907. Rotten Apple 907, which had better production value. Sure. But it had like five rooms and you're done. I know. I wished it were longer. Yeah. It was so cool. That one, the Rotten Apples, that was made to look like an old Victorian house. It was called Willsley Manor. In Willsley yeah. Manor. I mean, there was like a bookcase that shoved aside and there was an upside down room. and Hands was... clawing out from under antique beds. Yeah. yeah. But all of this was in someone's front yard. Yeah. And in the backwoods maze, in someone's backyard, you, you go through like a what's supposed to be like a combat zone, and then there's like a big pig, and it's like you're in the pig section. Ew! And then you're in like what's supposed to be like, like a little store set up, and it's very narrow because it's all in someone's backyard. Yeah. But it's all that also makes it scarier. Sure. And then a guy's like, "Hey, you're gonna buy something or not?" And you're in like, like some kind of like terrible oh god like cannibal store. Ew! Or just you know pigs in the front, people in the rear. Yeah, sure. From like Texas Chainsaw. Anyways. And then you go through some more and you're like, well, surely it must be over by now. Mm -hmm. And then, but no, you go through some more scares and then there's a Jeep. They've got an army Jeep just kind of in the middle of, of their lawn with like an army guy in it being like, this way. Bah! Yeah. And then you're like, well, the Jeep must be the finale. And then no. And then you go through another thing and then it's like, now you're in the morgue. And you get like one final good scare in the morgue. Yeah. Then you're done. And they're like, hey, how'd you like it? Was it, did you get some true scares? 
Some nice spooks? Or... Yes. Yeah. But not because I was afraid of cannibal soldiers. Right. But because there's no governing body over these guys. There's you're no You're playing OSHA. a little fast and loose. They're just, you're yeah. just truly in someone's backyard of your own volition. You're like, yeah, sure, yeah. stranger I don't know at all. What if they're like, hey, how you doing, buddy? Anybody know you came here tonight? Yeah. All right. <laughs> wow. But at the end, you know, just a friendly fella is like, did you like it? Glad you did. There's awesome. a donation box and you give a couple of bucks. Yeah. Um, I have something that I've been itching to tell you about. Yeah. Have you heard about this new documentary called The American Scream? Or maybe it's American Scream. That would be the documentary whose name I can never quite remember. Mm. It's by the, uh, the young man who did Best Worst Movie? Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah, it's this fantastic... If you're listening and you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix currently. I mean, if you're a fan of home haunts at all, or even if you aren't familiar with with the concept of a home haunt... You, uh, you don't back you don't, it up and say what it's about. It chronicles a couple of families who... Three uh, families who put forth more effort than you could possibly imagine to make a home haunt every year at Halloween. And it kind of consumes their entire year in preparation. And, uh, you know, one of the storylines is really fun because the guy, it's truly his passion. He grew up with really religious parents who wouldn't allow birthdays or Christmases or mm. Halloweens or anything. And so he's, this has kind of overtaken his whole life. And he wants to go pro and make it, have a real haunted house. And this year he was able to do it. You could visit the website. Like, he actually did this. It was called Ghoulie Manor in, uh, I forget what town, in Massachusetts, like near his house. And now, Something that the trailer didn't show me that I had to read about uh-huh. is that all three of these passionate families or people they're all in the same town in Massachusetts. They are. I know two of them are right down the street from one another. One of them was inspired to start doing this by the other person. That's interesting because I, I showed the trailer to a bunch of people. and Wait, you have or haven't seen the whole movie? I haven't seen the movie. Oh, I didn't realize I saw that. the trailer. Yay, I get to show it to you. Yeah. Roller coaster of emotion I'm on over here. Okay. <laughs> Just watching the trailer, the question that I was asked, which I didn't know the answer to, was do these families interact with each other much? Ah, mm-hmm. Like, is there a competitive spirit or is it just they're aware of each other? Right. It's not competitive at all. Okay. It, they're all very supportive. In fact, there are two families that are on the same street and one of the guys is like, yeah, I saw what this guy was doing in his yard and I was like, I want to do that. But he's a perfectionist. I'm not really a... I just like to make it... It's fun for everybody. So, like, I kind of expected it to be... Uh, rivalry, like that would be the dramatic arc, and that wasn't it at all. It's a really charming little movie. It's so much fun. And especially, I mean, just to watch someone stress out about, oh, this has got to be just right, and I mean, it's like candy. It, it will be candy for you. As much as you love Home Haunts, this is just gonna... I do love it'll, Home Haunts. It'll blow you away. It's so good. On your birthday, uh huh. I remember this because at the end of the night you sent me a text. Yeah. And you're like, come drink champagne. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I was in line for a third Home Haunt. Oh, fun. I went to Rotten Apples, went to the Backwoods Maze, and then there's another one over on Chandler. Mm -hmm. It was called Fear Hospital. Ew. And last year it was Fear House. Yeah. And it's just a family affair. Compared to, like, Rotten Apples, it's pretty low rent, but it's not low rent in heart. Yeah. See, that's the most important thing. A lot of heart and a lot of time. Yeah. Goes into this, and you, you go in, like, eight, nine people at a time. Then you get led from like kind of room to room and you have a guide. And it's more jolly than it is scary because he's, he's like, hey, why don't you come on in here? Here's, here's where we do the enemas. And then you know, if you play on words. <laughs> no. And there's like his family member there dressed as like a ghoulish nurse. Yeah. And it's like, come on to this room. Uh, this guy doesn't talk too much anymore. Ooh. And it's, you know, a corpse. Yeah. Or something. And then, um, and then you go through a few rooms. 
I did get a good, honest goodness scare in it when a guy that I assumed was a mannequin because he was just very still the whole time. Oh boy! And then as I was That's leaving, how they get you. all he did was turn. <gasps> he just turned his body, Ooh. and it's like if a lamp started turning. Yeah, something you thought was not a person. Yeah, turned out to be that, a person. That's genius scaring right there. Is that his patience? And probably not everyone saw no, him was, move, right? Back. Exactly. And then the, the last one was like, "Welcome where we do the autopsies." And that one was, was bigger and the most elaborate of them. And there was the big guy working on the autopsy. And, and he's like, I'm going to need a little something uh, bigger to get into this guy. And he goes behind the screen and comes out with a chainsaw. <gasps> and that's how they get everybody out. Got it. They, that's they, fun. They chase everyone out with a chainsaw. Well, if you, if you had to be doing anything other than staring at me and going, happy birthday, cat, on my birthday, I would have you be at a home haunt. In my defense... It was like 10.30 at night It's already. true. I had a long day that day. And you were like, come drive to Hollywood. Yeah. And I was like, uh, ah. Not right now. I gotta do stuff. Uh, that's all right. We did plenty of fun things for my birthday. And I got a the most wonderful smelling candle ever for my birthday from that you. That was from me. Which, by the way, is still in my car. You know why? Because every day the sun just heats it up and I just can't take it out because my whole car smells like pumpkin maple. <laughs> so you haven't lit it at all? I will eventually, but right now it's just doing such a good job in my car. I just leave it in there. Maybe as November winds down all. Because pumpkin isn't really a December smell to me. Yeah. So probably latter half of November, I'll start lighting it up to burn it down. But it's the best candle ever. <laughs> oh, I just love it. Tonight's playlet is really a sweet little story. It is called Revenge. I went on what the movie advertisements refer to as a roaring rampage of revenge. What he wanted was revenge. Revenge! I will have revenge! Avenge me! Conan's the best revenge! Avenge me! My revenge will strike down you and your accursed house. Too bad. I'll get my revenge later. Right now, I'll settle for cash. Okay, uh, a few weeks ago, Kat, you came to me and said, I've got an idea for the next episode. Let's I... do revenge, because it's November, and Indians and revenge. And I just said, <laughs> okay, but I didn't know what you meant by Indians First and revenge. First of all, I probably said Native Americans, but if I didn't, I will rescind my saying Indians and, and replace it with Native Americans. Because you know what? That, that's just more politically correct. Sorry, everything's more racist in my head. <laughs> and then... Um, Did you think about it and figure out what I meant? No, I try- not at all. And really? then later, I said, so, are you watching revenge movies to prep for this? <laughs> and you, like, reiterated. Like, uh-huh. yeah, because November in, you know, Native Americans <laughs> and revenge. <laughs> It's going to be great. And I was like, I still can't connect these. Uh, and I was like, it makes like, sense Because in my historically, head. the Indians didn't get a terrible amount of revenge. They, they, they didn't. They put up the good fight. I thought I would just wait until I had you, like a microphone in front of you, to say, Kat, please explain what you're talking uh, about. I guess I was just thinking about um, a, lot of the, a lot of the imagery I have in my head of someone being wronged and exacting revenge or needing to exact revenge. Namely, I was thinking about the episode of Buffy in season four called Pangs that you and I incidentally just watched where a Native American spirit, a a Shumash Indian, his spirit is awakened and he takes revenge on all these people who wronged his people. Also, Adam's family values, uh, where they're all dressed as pilgrims and Indians, and the Indians who who are all the nerds and the outcasts exact their revenge on the popular kids by, you know, doing all these horrible things to them. I've decided to scalp you and burn your village to the ground. 
So I guess that's where my head was at, was kind of like, well, if ever there was a people who deserved to take revenge or had the right to, it's those Native Americans, and it's November, so there you go. Not the most well-thought-out idea. However, I did have an idea, and And now it's come to... I knew what you were talking about. But it's also come to fruition in the form of what I think is going to be one of our best episodes. I'm really actually excited about this, more than I thought I would be. I didn't question what our content would be, because I knew that you had recently seen... I spit on your grave. I've never seen it. And I just said, you know what? You take that one. Ah. And I'll take different revenge movies. Great. And we'll just talk about that. Great. I'm into all those things. White meat. Dark meat. All will be carved. Thanksgiving. When I started looking into it, I was like, God, a lot of horror movies maybe aren't completely centered around revenge, but things like Friday the 13th, which, I mean, it's Jason's mother taking revenge for her son dying. But, you know, I think you could say that about a lot of movies. Like, you know, I know what you did last summer is kind of a revenge, but not really. I think there are some that really take that on more than others, and that's what I'm trying to... I try to whittle it down and focus on those. I think it's used and maybe overused as a plausible reason to commit about five to six murders. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Like, well, you know, they did kill his mother or whatever. Yeah. It's like, we need something scary. We need something to go on a rampage. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, why is it rampaging? Revenge? Right. How about that? Right. And then you sort of work backwards and say, well, how was this guy wronged? And then you come up with how they were wronged. Yeah, like, for example, uh, The Burning. It's a really fun summer camp kind of movie in the vein of Friday the 13th. Jason Alexander's actually in it. But there's a caretaker of this summer camp that's yeah. at a lake. And the kids all pick on him. And one night they set up this elaborate kind of scene to scare him in his cabin while he's sleeping. Like, if I remember correctly, it's been a couple years since I saw it. They set up all these candles and, like, fake skulls and all this stuff, and then they wake him up. And he has such a fright, he knocks a bunch of stuff over, the candles knock over, this cabin burns down. They kill him. They think they kill him. But then he comes back. For revenge. For revenge. All of the Nightmare on Elm Streets. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also a, a see, see how you can go. I mean, this the, you can extrapolate. You can go really. It's for revenge, and then so like Freddy's revenge. Well, really, the first one was about revenge too. Yeah. So it's that's like, what I'm saying. Freddy gets more revenge. Right. It's a slippery slope. But I think I spit on your grave is one of the most quintessential revenge movies. No, and it was remade, but you watched the original. I have not seen the remake yet. I want to, but mm-hmm. I did. I watched the original. If for anyone listening, if you have seen it, probably a lot of what I'm going to tell you, you're, you will already know because there are a lot of basic facts about it that are just kind of there. I have if, not seen it, so you're, good. you're going to be explaining it to me also. Great. For anyone who hasn't, I think it's remarkable the amount of vitriol and the amount of reviews and the amount of conversations that happened about this movie during the time that came out. Which was? Between, oh, 1978. Between people who hadn't actually seen it. A lot of people had a lot to say and a lot of people protested, but many of them, most, a lot of them hadn't even seen the film. And I had heard a lot about this movie for years. I had no idea what the plot was. I had just heard of it. I heard it was controversial. That's all I knew. What brought you to it after all the years? Netflix. I just, I saw the title, and did, did it was see, October. Like, the, the, the poster art? Yeah, the is poster is really uh, provocative. butt cheek? Mm-hmm, and they kind of redid that for the remake, too. With more butt cheek. Yep. Well, it was 2010. Anyway, it's a very simple story. Originally, the film was titled Day of the Woman. That was the director, writer-director's vision. Um, was the writer-director a woman? No. Okay. His first name is Mir, or Meyer, M-E-I-R. 
and the last name is Zarki, writer-director, okay. who actually wrote this film because a friend, he and a friend of his, they were in New York City and they happened upon a woman who was like bloodied and cut up and had been raped. And they were trying to figure out, what well, should we take her to the hospital? Should we take her to the cops first? We don't know what to do. So they decided to take her to the cops who were, and this was the mid-70s, who yeah. were incredibly unreceptive to helping. She had a broken jaw and could barely talk, but they were, like, refusing to take her to the hospital until she'd made a statement and she couldn't talk. And it was just this really nasty – they witnessed her being treated really poorly after she'd been victimized. And so, truly, all he wanted to do was make a film showing how brutal rape is and letting this victim in the movie kind of get the kind of revenge that this woman that they happened upon never got. That's it. It was that simple. Which – and this is part of the reason why I'm curious to see this remake, because I don't feel like contextually it really has much of a place in uh, in 2010. Not that women aren't raped and not that horrible things don't happen, but I, I think the cultural impact was a lot stronger in the late 70s, because there was still a lot of legislation that hadn't the really... The protocols changed. Yeah. So, um, I Spit on Your Grave, a.k.a. Day of the Woman, which, by the way... The title was changed in 1980 when it was widely released. The distributor so, insisted. So it knocked around for a little while as Day of the Woman. It did, but before it got wide release, it was Day of the Woman. That was his intended title. But the distributor refused to distribute it without changing the title. But the director now insists, now that it's carried on this cult status, it's always got to be subtitled, a.k.a. Day of the Woman. It, he makes it okay. a point. But the story is about a, a young woman, Jennifer Hills. She is a writer. She goes out to this remote cabin by a lake to write her first novel. And a group of really unfriendly, uh, but at first they seem pretty friendly, locals, kind of uh, basically happen upon her, abduct her from uh, her boat. Uh, actually, it's really weird. They kind of abduct her while she's in her boat. They attach their boat to hers and then drag her boat over to a marshy part of the lake and then pull her out of the boat, gang rape her for... I don't know, 15 minutes, 50, of screen time. 15 real screen minutes. She escapes. They let her go. Actually, she wanders into the woods completely naked, covered in blood, bruised up. There they are already waiting for her. They rape her again for another 15 minutes. Um, it's the second time around that really gets uh, objectors. Uh-huh. They let her go again. She crawls her way back to her house. She gets inside the house. She makes it to the phone. She picks up the phone. And then they show up again and gang rape her in the house. Three times. And for a sum total, I think in his review, Roger Ebert says it's like 45 minutes. I think it might be less than that. Okay. But it's a lot. It's an awful lot. And it's pretty graphic and pretty brutal. I think a lot of Roger Ebert's review has to do with the context he saw the movie in, which was he the theater he saw it in, there were a lot of really horrible people kind of treating it as an exploitation movie, which I, I understand why it could be viewed that way, and a lot of people did at the time. And, and, you know, Roger Ebert says there's absolutely no artistic value, it's not even artfully done, and I kind of disagree with that. You know, it's it's some of it, yeah, it's really brutal, but then again, in some ways I feel like you appreciate what happens later more because you've you've seen so much horrible stuff going on to this woman she recovers for like two weeks before, before you get to the second half uh-huh i'd like to point out that ladies are more into this than guys mm. i don't know any guys that watch svu oh sure Do you 
Well, notably, John Mulaney, the comedian, he does a lot of bits in his stand-up about SVU. He loves okay. SVU. I never really watched that much of it, but but to now that you say it, um, most of the people who I've ever talked to who have watched it have been women, so yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, I know women who are like, oh, SVU is on, and no guy has ever been like, oh, did I TiVo SVU? Right. Good point. Ho- hope I did. Good point. But you're supporting what one of the things I think there was a, f- a feminist, Julie Bindle. She picketed this movie at the time of its release, but has since rescinded that and says she actually supports the movie now. She actually believes it to be a feminist film. She kind of changed her track on it. I think what you're saying, to your point about a lot of uh, women being fans of this film... I don't think any of them have a poster in their room. No. But I believe that guys are generally pretty turned off by this. Well, I I should hope so. (laughs) I think there's probably a small subset of the population who isn't, but we're not going to go there. I think with any representation like this, any kind of... Whether it's violence, whether it's sexual violence, there are going to always be people who take it in a bad place, but that's humanity. But for, for women watching it, it's kind of, especially when you think about it coming out in the late seventies, when the environment surrounding rape today, not to get all, we're not going to turn this into a politically charged, whatever, but there are tens of thousands of rape kits that have not been analyzed that are just sitting like, it doesn't backlogged backlogged and not made a priority. And that's today in 2012. So in the late seventies, the environment surrounding it was even worse for women. So I think for a film like this, where it's, yeah, you're seeing all this brutal violence, but in the latter half of the film, she exacts just the most terrible revenge. It's she, (laughs) she recovers for a couple weeks and then she goes to a church and she prays to God to forgive her for what she's about to do. Now, does she go to the cops and get turned down? No. No. Okay. Nope. I, th- I thought that was what it was leading toward. Nope. She sure doesn't. She just... She I was just... picturing some kind of like Macon County cop being like, whatever, you're pretty. Nope. Oh, and the, the one of the other things is they think she's dead because after they've finished with her in the house for the third horrible scene, they send... that One of the guys is kind of mentally retarded. He's mentally... Challenged. Yeah. And they kind of push him into raping her as well. And it's it's just, that's another moral ambiguity in it that really, it's just really hard to watch. But they also make him go in and kill her. They're like, here, take this knife and go in and kill her. And he goes inside and he can't do it. But he comes back out and tells them that he did. He wipes some blood onto the knife and he's like, I did it. So then they all just trust him and leave. So two weeks later when she's recovered, she one by one lures them into, we're not going to, I won't go into details about how they get killed, but it's pretty, well, one of, one of, one of the guys, she cuts his balls off. I'll be going into uh, how revenge gets exacted. There you go. In the, in the films I speak of. Uh-huh. But I think this is just one of the most pure, I'm, I mean, I could talk for two hours about it. I won't, but. Um, Do you think it's a, a screen time about evenly split violence against her than her violence against them? Kind of. There's probably 40% of the violence against them as there is. I mean, when you, when you consider level and yeah, I guess so. Something like that. Um, there's, there's a good bit of time devoted to her, her revenge. And it, no, I mean, is it, there's no score whatsoever. Absolutely no music. That makes things feel realer. It does. It does. And it's, it's hard to watch, but I, I was surprised at how uncomplicated I felt about it. I was like, no, actually, especially in the year that it came out, I think it's fine. And I think if people, I understand people being offended by rape and not wanting to see rape on camera. At the same time, though, it's like, why should that be taboo when you can see people getting their throats slashed? I mean, Mm. this is actually something that happens much more often than people getting their throats slashed. And and, which brings me to a minute. And we, I would love to hear what you want to talk about. And I kind of want to ask you though, Marshall. Yeah. Your opinion, do you do you think 
My opinion, not having seen the film. No, not about necessarily. This is more generalization that can lead us into other things about revenge. Do you think, more general question though, do you think, so, so all these guys get their what for, they get their comeuppance, if yeah. you will, which is one of the things I think at core we love watching about movies where people get revenge because, you know, we think, oh, if we were wronged, we would want to get that revenge and... Do you, I mean, do you think it's always justified? Do you think there's a point at which it becomes unjustified? Do you think it's ever justified to exact revenge for a wrong that's been done? Like for these guys to get not maimed and murdered um, because they raped her? Well, did it make her feel any better? It seemed to. She seemed completely calculated about it. And the movie yeah. ends. There's no end, really. It's just the, she kills the last two guys and then the movie's over. <laughs> okay. So there's no really... You don't have a moment with her where she's like, I feel A or B about this. You don't get that. I see. Well, it's a large topic. It is. And it can, it can just segue into a death penalty conversation really yeah, quickly. Yeah, it can. We, we could avoid that. There, there's a term that I heard in the movie An American President. <gasps> David Paymer says it's a proportional response <sighs> and then gets shot down for saying it. But the term has, has stuck with me when you wonder, you know, if you feel slighted, what should you do back? Yeah. Just remember to keep it a proportional response. Interesting. Don't lose your head. I guess I was just kind of curious about what you thought, because the thing is, we, like you said, Revenge it's often used general? as a means to an end, like, or some form of that phrase that I'm not finding, but like, they just go, well, we need someone to go on a rampage, so what happened? Oh, well, he murdered a bunch of, he murdered the whole wedding party on her wedding day. Oh, Kill Bill, you know, yeah. that's that kind of, now, Kill Bill is incredibly, just, I couldn't say enough good things about, but there sure. are a lot of movies that just kind of use it as a device. I tried to think of one of the biggest offenders in, in that department and came up with a movie called Berserk! Exclamation point. Um, go on. You, I don't know this movie. If you Google it, include the exclamation point. Okay. It came out in, I believe, 1958 as Joan Crawford. Oh. As the owner of a circus. Really, it's Circus Time Die Now is basically what, what, what its name should be. Okay. There's a circus and someone's going around committing murders. Really? Yeah. And someone... Is it Joan Crawford? It might be. Oh, don't... Yeah, that's right. Don't tell me. Sorry. No, I have to. Um, no! That's all right. I need to see this movie already. All that you've told... Maybe. Okay. After well, all that you've told me now, the, it's... The ending is so dissatisfying. All right. Well, you go it. on. Spoil away. Well, there had already been, like, one murder. Like, a trapeze artist had his, his rig tampered with. Yeah. So he dies. And then her daughter shows up from boarding school. How old is the daughter? Uh, 19, mm -hmm. perhaps. Or younger. And then she's like, well, I have to deal with this circus. So let me just uh, pair you up with the knife thrower. So, you know, things are going to go wrong there. Oh, God. And there, there's a few more murders. And then at the end, it turns out it was the daughter who didn't even get introduced until after the first murder. Like, I guess. Wow. She that is disappointing. Pretended to show up later. Right. And she is berserk. Exclamation point. Exclamation point. And her reason was her mom didn't pay enough attention to her <gasps> because she was always paying attention to the circus. So now she's going to murder a circus. Ain't that the way it goes? Yeah. I wonder if, like other serial killers, she'd start with animals, but in her case, they'd be like lions. <laughs> wow. Like, I, I hate circuses. Weird. And really what it was, was they wanted a movie that featured a circus. Sure. So you could watch circus stuff. Because I'm sure there, there are just plenty of scenes of, like, trapeze artists for no reason for, like, five minutes. Yeah, and really yeah. just cool stuff. I like watching that. Yeah, and then, to make it even better, 
uh, what you probably didn't get in, I think, like, Greatest Show on Earth. Oh, I love there that was, movie. Yeah, it's just like, circus, 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 plot. Yeah. Circus, 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 Jimmy Stewart. And all of it's equally uh, enjoyable. Yeah, so this one was like, circus, 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 murder. Wow, this sounds like just my movie. <laughs> and then like, who'd want to kill a circus? Well, come up with something and stick it Pretty ambitious. I want to kill a circus. Yeah, so <laughs> it was, that was her revenge. That's funny. On the circus. Test your shock limit before you enter the theater. Answer yes or no. Skull splintering spikes shatter my calm. Saw teeth savagely slashing a girl apart rip my nerves. I get stabbing pains when I see a victim fall on naked bayonets. I get dizzy watching a garroted body swinging. If you can't say no, you see Berserk at your own risk. Now, I know that you what you're bringing to the table on this one was I Spit on Your Grave. Yeah. Did you cover any other films? Well, I mean, I could talk a lot about several. I kind of was looking for just Googling best revenge horror films to see if there's anything that I hadn't thought of, I guess. But um, Carrie. Oh, yeah. Of course. T- taking revenge on everyone who laughs at her. Ugh, they're all going to laugh at you. That movie is fantastic. Um, Drag Me to Hell, which, uh, okay. Yeah, it's revenge. Sure. Um, Pumpkinhead, which I haven't seen. Pumpkinhead is one of the movies I will be reviewing. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, Last House on the Left, duh. Uh, The Woman in Black, Old Boy, which is uh, high on my list. I've never seen Old Boy. Do you know about Old Boy? I do. And uh, Hard Candy, great revenge movie, if you've never seen it. I had to turn that movie off and come back to it ten minutes later because it made me feel sick. Really affecting. Uh, Urban Legend, I hadn't thought about being a revenge it film, a, but it totally is. Freaks, oh, which that, that, I That's seen. another, like, hey, let's have a, a movie where people get killed through urban legends. Yeah. Great. Why? Revenge. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's loved one got killed with an urban legend. Right. So now she'll use urban legends to... To kill others. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, oh, and yeah, it also freaks, which I've, I is again high freaks. on my list I haven't seen. Is that is freaks? It ends on a revenge. Got it. It's not really a revenge movie until the end. And then it's like, don't upset a whole bunch of freaks. Right. They'll get you. Um, so I, I enjoyed looking at that list, but I realized that a lot of the things that I was thinking about and got fired up and thought, oh, we should talk about, aren't really horror necessarily. Sure. Let's try um, to stay on target. Let's try to stay on target. So tell me about Pumpkinhead. Okay. I don't, cause I've, I've heard the title, but for all I know, it's about a guy with a head that is a pumpkin who it is not. seeks revenge <laughs> on everyone because I have no, I have no clue. So educate me. Okay. Uh, Pumpkinhead is a name given to a creature. In what I believe is supposed to be the backwoods of Arkansas. Ooh, scary already. It's not a creature that's around all the time, but it can be summoned. Mm-hmm. And it's summoned for the purpose of revenge. And once you get it going, it cannot be stopped oh. um, until it kills who it's supposed to. All the locals are afraid of it. So if Pumpkinhead's out on the, on the prowl, they all just lock their doors and just don't go out and wait for it to end. And I'm sorry, who summons this Pumpkinhead? There's a witch. Oh! <gasps> Yeah. So it's like a Final Destination creature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of. It, it's out to finish out the job. for one person, though. Or, or multiple people. Sure. Okay. Depending. It starts in, like, the 50s where, like, a, a young boy's parents are battening down all the doors. And uh-huh. someone comes to the door and they're like, let me in, let me in. And they're like, you know, we can't do that. 
and it'll let we me can't open the door pumpkin heads out yeah it's, it's gonna get me and then um the, oh this is so spooky the, the boy can see like the creature which looks like a taller more organic looking alien with a pumpkin-esque Ew. top of its head what year was this movie 1988 okay it was directed by stan winston who is mostly known for his special effects. Mm-hmm. So this movie was not lacking in quality special effects. Cool. The Pumpkinhead Creature is a real masterwork of pre-digital puppetry. Makeup and, and puppetry. Makeup. That's awesome. So fast forward to present day. Present day, 1987. 1980, yeah. And the young boy has grown up into Lance Hendrickson, who r- runs a roadside grocery store and loves his son. Yeah. Loves him so much, you know something horrible is going to happen. Oh. It's, that, it's that kind of like heartbreaking. Just like, I love my boy. And it's like, well, Kiss in, order, goodbye. <laughs> in order for the first act to end, something's going to have to happen to him. And it does when a bunch of city folk come in. They're going to go to a cabin in the woods, but first do a little dirt biking. And Uh-oh. the jerk of the group hits and kills <gasps> the, the little boy. Oh, no. Does Lance Henriksen summon Pumpkinhead? Does he go to the witch? Well, there's a journey. He has oh. to... He has to go to the witch, and you know, first he doesn't know quite where to go, so he has to go to people who are even more backwoods than him, and then go even more backwoods than them. All right. And then there's the witch, uh, who's very old, and is like, "I can't do nothing for your boy. He's already dead." He's like, "I want the thing that you can summon." And so she then sends him <laughs> even further to the further, further backwoods, to this old cemetery. She's like, "You'll know it when you see it. It's where they put their kin that they are ashamed of, or something Ooh. Like that. and like dig up the sort of shriveled corpse of Pumpkinhead, and then uh, with his blood and the blood of the dead son, then it comes to life and sets to killing all the young teenage city folks who are now in their cabin. There's only really one bad one in the group who is successfully stopping five others from calling for help. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Ah, oh, we got to get to a phone." He's like, "Nope," and cuts the cord. And they're like, "Well, we've got to run for help." Nope, and locks him in the closet. And then when other people come, he's now he's got his hunting rifle, and he's like, "We're not calling anybody." Yeah, I've got priors. Wow. So that's how the um, kind of innocent victims get wrapped up in this. You know, yeah. they were just, there's only one guy on one dirt bike, but five right. people to get killed. Right. And when Pumpkinhead goes out and makes a kill, Lance Hendrickson can feel it. Yeah. And he's like, Ooh, oh, in his no. body, yes. And he sees it, sort of. And Wait, he, is he feeling remorseful at this time, or is he just yes. like happy? Oh, and he goes back to the witch, and he's like, "Stop it!" And she's like, "I can't stop it. <gasps> Once it's been started, nothing can stop it." So it seems to kill you by smacking you against a tree, ooh, or just kind of battering brutal. you around. Now all the country folk know that Pumpkinhead's about. I don't know; they just feel in the wind <laughs> that he's about. Yeah, that's very southern of you. So um, one creative kill is Pumpkinhead gets his hands on a rifle. And you're like, is he going to shoot somebody? Because this thing's like 12 feet tall and made of terror. Like, no, he stabs a guy with his own hunting rifle. Oh. Oh. That's a first. Right? Yeah, sure. Probably. Never seen that in the cinema. Yuck. Rifle stabbing. Uh, Someone else, he he takes her up in a high tree and then just drops her. Oh, that is creative. So kind of passive. Like, it's it's not violent in the sense of slamming someone against a tree or ramming a rifle or whatever. But it is, it's still it's also, brutal. Pumpkinhead does believe in taunting the others. Like, he'll take the almost dead body and then just kind of, like, hold its head up to the window and just kind of let it, like, This look is in terrifying. The it's pretty scary. I feel like if I'd seen this as a child, I would have been, like, absolutely petrified. Good chance. Um, Lance Hendrickson, in his change of heart, decides that it's up to him to stop Pumpkinhead, but starts to realize that he's tied with Pumpkinhead. Oh! <gasps> 
Wait, so... It's not just the exactor of his vengeance. It is his vengeance. Oh, it's like a manifestation of... Of him. Oh. And this is discovered when he hurts his arm and then Pumpkinhead's got a hurt arm and then you can do the math. So he realizes that to stop Pumpkinhead from finishing the job, because now we're down to one city folk, uh, he has to kill himself. Wow. Yeah. And then he does. (gasps) Yeah. Weird. And so there's one survivor of Pumpkinhead. And then you see for the, the final, final ending... You see the old witch uh, reburying what you figure is Pumpkinhead, this sort of old shriveled corpse of Pumpkinhead into the Pumpkinhead grave Yeah. in the old haunted cemetery. Until some other old sap decides to dig him up again. Yeah. But then you look, you get a closer look, and it's wearing the necklace that Lance Hendricks' son <gasps> had made for him. Whoa. Now he's the Pumpkinhead. Oh my goodness. And you wondered, is this what happened every time? I don't know, but there are sequels. Cool. Which I, I don't think even address that. Interesting. Yeah. I'm intrigued. That's Pumpkinhead. I thought of his revenge. So that's an example. Uh, revenge, it's uh, quite anti-revenge. That is. It's like ultimately it's not Cause, cause fruitful. Because he, he has a change of heart and is destroyed by his own revenge. So this comes from about uh, the same, this is 1986, comes from about the same era as Pumpkinhead. Creepshow 2. Ah. Have you seen Creepshow 2? I'm sure that at some point I've seen at least parts of it. Now, the original Creepshow, is that the one with Leslie Nielsen? With, yes. Then I'm not sure I've seen the second one. Why don't you just tell me about it? The first story of the three that they show you is Old Chief Woodenhead, which I went back and watched because of your uh, are revenge you pr- Are you Americans. proving my point right now, Marshall? I think you are. I'm proving that there is at least one instance of Indian <laughs> revenge. Out of the many movies I've seen, I could think of not even a whole movie, just one third of one Whatever. Movie. Go on about your old Chief Woodenhead. Well, there are actual Native Americans in this segment of the film. There's a kindly old Caucasian store owner and his wife who have one of those wooden Indians out front. And it starts with several tribe elders coming to see him, but only one really does the talking. And he's like, "Uh, we want to thank you for extending credit to our tribe and we'll pay you back. Times are tough. Here's a bunch of priceless turquoise jewelry from our tribe. And they're like, I don't want it. Like, we'd feel better if you just held on to it. And then they're like, all right. Since we're such good friends. Yeah. So then uh, the chief is leaving and the two um, kindly old people go back into their store where all of a sudden it's nighttime. And now there's a gang of locals, which includes the chief's nephew, Sam, which I appreciate a good Native American bad guy, Mm. by the way, because in an age of political correctness, everyone's trying to, you know, go against demonizing other cultures. Yeah. Yeah. But to paint a culture... The opposite way, I feel, is just as bad. Agreed. I used to work reading scripts for the Sundance Institute, and they would get a lot of Native American scripts because the Sundance organization is Native American friendly, so they'd Mm -hmm. get a lot of stuff Native American. Yeah. And I would sort of award points against for scripts that um, would paint with too broad a brush in either direction. Right. So in this one, you got your uh, friendly Native Americans. Looking to square up on their debt. Mm-hmm. But then you've got Sam who uh, knows that he has a jewelry and wants to take it to, to finance his uh, relocation to Hollywood. Yeah. Where he feels with his good head of hair. He's awfully proud of his head of hair. You can see where this is heading. Oh boy. He's like, I'm going to 
I want to go get me a screen test and be a movie star off mm. in Hollywood with my beautiful head of hair. Uh-oh. And in robbing the two old people, they kill the two old people. Oh, boy. The two other members of his gang, fat one and the one that's not so fat. Sure. There was uh, Andy and Fatso. Oh. Fatso was the fat one. So they're like, oh, man, we're in trouble now. And they're like, ah, meet me later. And we'll, we'll skip this town. But before they can, Fatso gets killed with arrows. Oh. I don't recall how Andy gets it. Maybe a tomahawk. Yeah. Seems right. And then, oh, uh, did I mention the wooden Indian comes to life? No, I but I was waiting. I was waiting on that part. When you said there was a wooden Indian standing outside, I knew that was coming. Yeah. It comes to life and sort of like, like there's a thing of paint. It kind of puts some more paint on itself Ooh. And, and takes off into the night. And you don't really see it firing any arrows, but then you do see it when it goes after Sam. Yeah. And he's sort of chasing him around his home. He's like, man, you can't be real. And he fires a gun at it, but doesn't do anything because he's wood. Right. And then he locks himself in a bathroom. And then the Indian punches up through the, the bathroom Whoa. wall, pulls him through. Really just needs the head. Yeah. You don't really see what happens next, but you do know it's a scalping. Having said oh. that, I'm sure a scalping will kill you eventually. Yeah. But not exclusively. Uh, right? Well, um, you... Your face won't fall off. No, but um, head head wounds, ble- you bleed a lot from your scalp. Like, if you get hit in the head and your head busts open, there's a lot of blood. So maybe blood loss? Okay. Eventually? He scalps him. Uh, and we know this because um, when um, Chief White Moon wakes up, he's got the jewelry in bed with him. And he's like, oh, that's weird. So then he goes to the store to check on the old folks, and he sees the wooden Indian back on his stand in front of the store holding, holding? No. the bloody scalp. Ew. Gross. That's really gross. Yeah. Did you ever and... see any real life, just, you always seem to have great stories about this kind of thing. Did you ever see anybody get what they had coming to them, like, when you were in school. Some acted. Yeah, like, like, do you have any good stories of, like, you know, some kid who used to tease everybody getting poop in their pants in front of the whole school or something? That's not really revenge, just kind of, like, comeuppance. Yeah, revenge and practical jokes never really land the way you're hoping. No. I, I can say that as, as a young man, I moved into a townhouse with three other guys. Uh, who had already been living together, and they were just kind of explaining, like, you know, different stuff to me, and, like, here's yeah. how the dishwasher works, and, and he said, okay... Here's the Joker card. I was like, yeah. And they had a system set up to prevent revenge. Yeah. They said, if you have the Joker card, you can play a prank on somebody. But then you have to leave the Joker card behind for that person. Ah. And then that person can play a joke on anybody. Yeah. But then they have to leave that card behind. And they can get pranked right back. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it seemed a, a good way to run things. If you if you enjoy pranking people, which I never really have, I just oh I I enjoy a good a good prank. Okay. Since I don't have a good vengeance story, yeah, I did once fill up a friend's car with balloons. That is a really sweet and fluffy prank. Yeah, uh, that must have been kind of logistically interesting it to was kind tough. of accomplish. You know, because like if you're opening up the door to put more, I'm assuming these are like are they helium balloons? No. Oh, you blew them. Okay, so at least you're not dealing with them, like, trying to float out of the car as you try to put more in. Oh, that would have been impossible. Yeah. It was, it was hard enough as well. That was the image I had. was like, every time you open the door to put another one in, yeah. no! And then you floating. I inflated a, a bunch of balloons for my mom's birthday, but the pets mm-hmm. kept stepping on them and popping them. And yeah. And she was like, Marshall, thank you for the balloons. Get him out of here. Get him out of the house. <laughs> and I had one friend that never locked his car. 
Yeah, so that'll show him. I put him all in these big lawn and leaf bags, put them in the back of his family station wagon, drove him over to where his car was, mm-hmm. and then just like one at a time, you know, put him, <laughs> put him in his car, put him in his car, filled up the car. Then I like shut his door and then just fed him through the window. Oh, nice. Or else they just they'd fall. And then I kind of like cranked the window up all but like the width of a balloon. And yeah. Then I'd finish the job. Did he exact revenge on you for that? No. With I don't it, think like, so. did he like fill your car with puppies or something? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't recall any uh, response for the, the. That's a pretty cute the prank. Ballooning. I like it. Are you ready for Doctor Five? Mm. Uh, when you brought up the topic of revenge films, mm-hmm. and you said I'm going to do a spit on your grave, yeah, I decided to go the opposite direction. <laughs> no, good. We need to temper that with just a, else. a much jollier direction. So I watched the abominable Doctor Fives. Never heard of this ever. It's a Vincent Price film. Oh, from 1971. It was followed by a sequel, Dr. Fives Rises Again. Okay. And Vincent Price is in the movie about as much as Charlie Sheen is in <laughs> The Wraith. But I'm sure it was heavily billed as a Vincent Price. Oh, yeah, no, yeah it, sure. it, it totally was. But it, it starts with him in like a hood mm-hmm. playing the organ. And then you never really see him out, out of the hood. And then you see him, but then he puts on a mask. Um, a masquerade ball. Though I think it still is Vincent Price when he's got the mask. Interesting. Oh, and he doesn't talk for most of it. But he'll sometimes plug this thing into his neck. So is Vincent Price's voice coming out of this, like a gramophone? Right. I should also say that although I've seen this movie before and its sequel, I did not know until reading online while I watched it this most recent time, it's set in the 20s. It's oh. very Art Deco, but it's Art Deco the, in, yeah. in, in the way of like the original Batman TV show. Yeah. It looked more like that than anything of the actual 1920s. <laughs> okay. In England. It looked like like the swing in sixties. Oh boy. It looked and, and just like so much were just like bright curtains. So just four to ceiling bright curtains. Yeah. That looked like the the show The Prisoner more than anything from the twenties. Yeah. And everyone had seventies hair. <laughs> of course they did. You know, and there was a lot of stuffy British people. All the victims are stuffy British men. Uh-huh. Who I just thought were old fashioned anyways, even in the sixties. Right. It was you know, you know, class warfare, basically yeah. like, let's make a movie where we just kill a bunch of the old stuffy British men. <laughs> which they did. Um the first one is killed with bats. Oh. And bats aren't that scary, but there was a bat crawling in a guy's bed. Ew. Whoa, yeah, whoa, right. hold on. Right. Why is there a bat crawling? I That's don't know. scarier than flying. It's way scarier than flying, and yet it shouldn't be. Right. Makes you think zombie bat. Right. It does. Now, wait. Why are they... Uh, what? What's the revenge? Well... Did I just miss... No. Uh, no, okay. Because it, it gets revealed a bit on. A few surgeons get killed through creative means. Uh-oh. And then it's put together that they all worked on one case together <gasps> back in the day, which was a woman in a, I believe, a car wreck. I don't even remember what she was in. But they were unable to save her. And that was Dr. Fives' wife. Oh, no. And Dr. Fives himself, while racing there from Switzerland, was presumed killed in a car wreck of his own. Mm. But he's not. Presumed being the operative word. Yeah, not to say he came out unscathed. Oh. Because at the end, he sort of reveals himself, just like he did back in House of Wax. Sure. To just be just a big old mess underneath of a Vincent Price mask. Yeah. (laughs) It's also a bit of a comedy. 
Oh, and the poster, of course. Why wouldn't it be? It came out the year after Love Story. Mm-hmm. And Love Story had the, the memorable tagline of love means never, never having, having to, to say you're sorry. Right. Yeah. So this one has oh Dr. Fives in an embrace with either the woman who played his dead wife or the woman who played Volnavia, his presumably robot supermodel assistant. Uh-huh. who has many outfits, is, is at the height of fashion, and never talks. Yeah. And he barely talks. So there's not a lot of talking <laughs> in this movie. They do dance together. Oh. From time to time. Uh, in, in, in his swinging lair. <laughs> the swinging 20s. Yeah. <laughs> Via the swinging 60s. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh. So the poster uh, has him in embrace with a gal, but with his like scarred face that you get to see for like one scene. Mm-hmm. And it says, love means never having to say you're ugly. Oh, genius. So that's how they sold it to people. Wow. Yeah. So it gets put together that his way of killing people was first with bees, which caused a lot of welts Ew. or boils. Yeah. And then bats, which like scratched a guy to death. There was a bunch of bats in his room. <laughs> uh, after that, a guy puts on a frog mask. Now, here's where you really can see Dr. Fives as a progenitor of Seven and particularly Saul. Uh-huh. Because it's a guy with a lot of killing on his mind. Who has very elaborate ways to kill people. Interesting. And this frog mask is a, like a masquerade party. And it just keeps tightening and tightening. <gasps> and, tight. and you can see like a little thing on the side going click, 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 click. Ew. Until the guy oh my God. is like screaming with a frog head on and then falls over. And you know that he's dead. This is fascinating. Yeah. So this is all in the name of vengeance for his, his dead wife. Right. Who sometimes he, he talks to without moving his lips. Through the gramophone that plugs into it. Got neck. it. Then uh, the next one's blood. And in a move that I later saw in the... Actually, I'd first seen in the movie uh, The Exorcist Three: The Heretic. Ah. Where a guy is just drained of his blood. Yeah. That also happens in Halloween too. The next way is uh, Death by Hail. What? Which is... I bet that would be extremely painful. So they're all being killed with the great plagues of the pharaohs. Whoa, so then you wait can a minute. This is so. This is kind of like seven. Oh yeah. wait, you already said that. Yeah. I'm just exhausted. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. So um, I I didn't know about the bats one, but apparently that's one. Um. Okay. For uh, locusts, he covers this woman in goo. She's asleep at the time, but it's like goo made from artichokes because I guess locusts love artichokes. What? And then he puts a bunch of like like through a hole over her bed, and then through the same hole, he like, puts a bunch of locusts down there to eat her. <gasps> That's terrifying. Yeah, they just sort of find a locusty skeleton the next Ew, day. Ew, locusts are so big and gross. Now, the next to last one is the, um, the, the last one's the darkness, but the next to last one is the firstborn son. Oh. The head surgeon um, has a son. Oh. And in this one, this one is the, Clever. is the most like what would eventually become sort of standard fare for like Jigsaw or yeah. Seven, which is he puts a key into his chest, <gasps> into the boy's chest. How does he do that? Surgically, I guess. Ugh. And tells his surgeon father, he's like, you have six minutes before acid falls through that tube onto the boy's face. Six minutes is all my wife had. Oh my gosh. You, so, I can't oh, the, believe this. The key this. is to unlock a lock that's on the gurney. And then he can move the gurney and get him out of the way of the acid that's going to fall on him. Wow. So that, you know, 1971, that's, that's, that is pretty, quite, a, quite the precursor. Yeah. I had no idea. So this movie he's got to like surgically get into his son Ew. and then pull out the key. He's a surgeon. So it's not like, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I know. I, I'm there. not a surgeon, Marshall. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> I can say ew. Well, you know, it's like, he'll do a good job. Wow. It's not like he's just digging around. Um, and then manages at the very last second, 
to get him out of the way. I'm gonna. I am. I've got to watch this movie now. In Doctor Five's Rises Again, the kills continue to be creative. But oh, what one guy's also killed by like a brass unicorn that they say like it must have been sent by catapult. Weird. Uh, anyways, the second one, he's still out to get people, not in a vengeance, but to get some scrolls. Why? To bring back his dead wife. Oh, okay. Through Egyptian magic. Oh, okay. So definitely a sequel in the sense that it's not as good as the original. <laughs> but he no longer has to use like frogs or biblical things to kill uh-huh. people. So you get one scene where a guy is like, phone for you. Okay. And somehow gets stabbed through the head <gasps> with something that flies out of the phone. Cool. Yeah. Weird. And wait, so is the second one also funny? Yes. Have you seen? Oh, you've seen. I've seen. You, the, well, okay. I watched the first one again today. Got it. But I haven't seen the second one in like 10 years. Wow. Weird. And um, how long after the first one did the second one come out? Uh, I believe three years. Okay. Wow. I'm going to have to watch this and report back. I love you contextualizing it with um, revenge. With well, revenge, but also like the Saw films. I, I just it, it's... It, it didn't occur to me until I started watching it right. again. You were like, "This is like a Saw trap." Well, there is in the first Saw movie, I do believe, two people in a room, and Jigsaw's like, "You can get out of this room uh, with a key, mm-hmm. but the key is in that other guy's stomach." Yeah, exactly. So go stab that guy. Yeah. yeah, so I'm not saying um, the people behind Saul ever watched Dr. Fibes and went, right. let's do it. But it definitely was, I'm going to say, the first time an audience was, was treated to that that sort of malarkey. Yeah, I'm wildly intrigued by that. I can't wait to watch it. Excellent. Probably the most terrifying motion picture you'll ever see. Thanks for tuning in to our vengeance podcast yeah if if there was anything you thought about uh what we said that you just like loved or absolutely hated we'd love to hear from you also if we missed any movies that you would love us to talk about in the future that we could fit into another podcast please let us know we'll talk forever and ever about everything eventually you can uh, reach us at boys and ghouls at twitter or write to us at boysandghouls at gmail. You can also visit our Facebook page. That's a lot of fun, and you should like it. All right, everybody. Until next time. Beware the moon. Beware. Beware.